to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. And today in our studio, I have Chef Ryan Pearson with Couvent. How are you doing, Chef? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's been a really amazing week opening. Um, Tired, but super excited. Well, you know, I kind of giggled whenever I saw, okay, they're opening and everybody's like, so ready to go out and eat and dine and do things again. And I thought, well, I wonder how Chef Ryan is doing now that he has to go back to work in that capacity. (laughs) You know, I was in New York during COVID. I took a little bit of time off. I took a private gig in Puerto Rico and sort of had a broad lens of what I wanted to do next and found myself in New Orleans, uh, my hometown. So it's been really exciting to be back. It's a the hardest I've ever worked in my life, but to see an idea in your mind become go onto a plate is really fulfilling. So it's all worth it. Well, during your time that you know you were traveling and you're in Puerto Rico and you're probably processing food throughout your travels in your head, right? Looking yeah. at food, tasting food, being a part of food. What was it that kind of um, was there anything that started to shape? how you were thinking about the reopening of the restaurant? Well, Puerto Rico is a special place because I feel like New Orleans is the northernmost Caribbean city. So there's a lot of ties there. And in that time, you know, my fiance, she's from Venezuela and, you know, it also has a very Caribbean environment. And we started to really know that that's where we wanted to be, was back in New Orleans. Um, I think in travels, everything shapes everything you've ever experienced shapes what you want to do what you want to put on the plate so it's just been you know really fulfilling to be back um so i think yeah everything that you do sort of leads you in that direction i have some chefs who work for me that i I, i'm always like oh my goodness you leave and come back to new orleans a lot right They, they come they go they travel they and new orleans kind of pulls at your heartstrings especially for people who are passionate about food what is it, you know, that drew you to food as a career in the first place? Growing up, food is def- my family is definitely very food-centric, and that's what joined us all together. Um, my grandparents were from Sicily, so growing up, very, very Italian. Uh, and there's pictures of me at, like, five or six years old making biscuits with my grandma. We had a fig tree in the backyard, which I now have a fig tattoo on me. It's really important to me. Uh, <laughs> You know, so it's like those memories started to translate into wanting to make it as a career. And I feel like I said I wanted to be a chef before I even knew what that entailed. And it's the only thing I ever remember wanting to do. So how did you do it? Did did you just say, Mom, Dad, Grandma, I'm going to grow up and be a chef and I'm going to study and travel the world? Did you just embark on an adventure? How- I think I got really lucky, you know, a lot of timing things. After Katrina, um, that was sort of the time that I was able to start working in restaurants and everyone was so short-staffed that they didn't care, they didn't have experience. It was like, oh, well, you have two hands, so you're hired. Uh, So I feel like it took me a few years, you know, working in New Orleans restaurants to even really know what it took. Like, I feel like I'm just lucky that my chefs had patience with me in the beginning. Um, 
And then, you know, I did that for a few years. I remember going to the Barnes & Noble in Metairie and looking at cookbooks and going like, hey, like I want to learn how to make this. And I found myself in New York, um, had the pleasure to work for some really amazing chefs, worked at some multi-Michelin star restaurants. Um, so, I, so yeah, I feel like I said I wanted to be a chef before I knew what it took. And then when I found out what it took, then I really loved it. So, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people out there who listen to the show who are home cooks and they probably have... Um, you know, kids and teenagers who are aspiring to be chefs down the road. What does it take to be a successful chef? I think you have to have the mindset that every day there's going to be three to five things that happen that you wish didn't, that are outside of your control, that this didn't show up, this got shorted, this cook didn't come into work today, and to be able to endure that and keep going and have morale be high at the restaurant and have good energy and a positive, everyone creating a positive work environment. It's so easy in a restaurant to go, you know what, this isn't where I want to be. And then you just weigh the whole thing down. So being positive, being patient, there's no shortcuts to success. Nobody wakes up one day knowing how to make a hollandaise. So it's just really being patient with your career and putting it in the hands of people that you trust. I love that. And I, I think it's that's true. That speaks very truly to just about anything that you want to be when you grow up is having that, you know, positive attitude and that that outlook and patience and support of the people that work with yeah. you. And uh, I think at the rapid pace that people who work in the food industry work, it's it's almost even more important to be patient in those yeah. moments. Yeah. I, I remember when I first moved to New York, the first kitchen I staged in. They were like, all right, let's go grab your chef coat. And I remember how fast the sous chef walked. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, like, like this is all right. got to raise up the speed a little bit. It's definitely a fast, fast-paced environment. But I think, yeah, like you said, just keeping it positive is really important. Being patient with yourself. I love it. And, you know, when I was reading your, your bio and kind of reading about that process where you went from you know, New Orleans to New York, and I saw... Oh my goodness, um, Chef Ryan opened a restaurant. He worked at a restaurant in Paris, and it was a New Orleans or Louisiana-style restaurant? So, at the time in New York, I was working at a restaurant called Batard. And I started as a cook. Uh, by the time I left, I was executive sous chef. We, it was like a f- crazy opening, explosive. We won James Beard, Best New Restaurant, Michelin Star, uh, three-star New York Times. It was like unreal and I was so happy and I just couldn't imagine myself leaving you know I had my crew I was like really coming to my own putting dishes on the menu and then I got introduced to someone who was opening up a multi-conceptual New Orleans influenced restaurant in Paris and needed a chef so even though I was so happy there as an American kid I never thought that I would have an opportunity to do anything like this so turn in my notice moved to Paris was there within six weeks wow uh, and it really, really changes your outlook as being a chef. Just the attention detail they put into everything. When you get tomatoes and they're all spread out, perfect, each one is perfectly ripe. Or you get a suckling pig and it's in hay and it's like everything is taken care of. Like Then something changes in your soul and you're like, all right, like I can't get green tomatoes packed into a box. Like I need to sort of as a chef become a purveyor of really amazing ingredients. I, you know... Th- 
you're really speaking to me and probably a lot of people out there is that food does start to affect your soul and when you can have really amazing product that is beautiful and you know the dish is going to taste good it uh you know it just makes that that final product even better and even more amazing so when you were cooking in, in paris and you had access to this you know what kind of things were you cooking in that restaurant and that you were using these great ingredients Definitely, like I mentioned, the tomato salad. Um, I tried to do a version of the, you know, growing up, a lot of people here have bunny bread with a lot of mayonnaise and Creole tomatoes, salt and pepper. So trying to, you know, like do like a tomato salad with a really beautiful aioli and like brioche cut really thin, like croutons, very pretty. But like everything having this reference point. Um, there was a cochon de lait dish that I did that was trying to translate like a Louisiana pig roast. So we would confit a whole suckling pig in duck fat, like then press the meat back into the skin to where you could portion it in like beautiful rectangles, crisp up the skin where it's like chicharron with like really tender meat underneath, which is a dish that I'm doing today at Couvent that's like now doing sort of French food but embracing South Louisiana is like sort of how I'm describing the restaurant. Because like to me, where you are in the world is so important that I don't, even though it's French, I wanted it to be a French experience that you couldn't have in San Francisco or New York, like to have it sort of come into its own, have its own voice. And so it sounds to me like your experience in Paris has really helped to shape the way that you've designed your food now at Couvent. A hundred percent. So whenever you sat down and you started to reflect on everything that you've learned and, and how did you, how did you figure out the way to make that bridge of Louisiana food and French food and what diners were going to really, really want? In France. Uh, both places, both places. I, you know? So in France, um, I definitely sort of had to Frenchify things, make things less spicy. Um, there was a dish I was doing at the time. It was like seared flounder with makshu. And I remember like a French woman sent it back and she said, I'm not a pig. I don't eat corn. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> that you are making me laugh because I did an event for uh, the department of tourism and we had beautiful fresh summer corn and I did a chilled corn soup with a corn <laughs> custard and no one told me every single person who was attending was French and they, they told me the same thing. How do you, how did you deal with that? <laughs> You know, at, at the time, I feel like it's frustrating, but then, like, looking back on it, you just laugh. Like, you know, because I feel like I was really fortunate to even have that reference point. Um, and that's how I look at a lot of experiences that I was able to have. It's really, really fortunate. Um, and so, navigating a menu today, as far as having French technique with South Louisiana ingredients, I think it's exactly that. It's, like, beautiful French cooking um, searing, basting butter, braises, sauce work, but really just like finding who's making the best things that I can buy in this area, who has the best fish, you know, and letting them dictate what my menu is almost and cooking it with French technique. I love that. Now, over at Couvent, y'all are reopened and y'all are doing breakfast and dinner. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was kind of perusing the menu and it really does have this, kind of cozy bistro fill, but also 
it, it's elevated and sophisticated. So talk about some of the dishes that you have, like that you're serving for breakfast. So for breakfast, I, it's definitely both ends of the spectrum. Like there's things that are very New Orleans for breakfast. Like we're doing a breakfast sandwich that's Creole country and dewy, grilled glaze and a pepper jelly vinaigrette with a brioche bun, blue plate mayonnaise, pickled red onions, like very New Orleans, but also, you know, like having ex drawn experiences from my travels, like in Paris, the most common breakfast that you see is oeufs mayonnaise, just a hard boiled egg and mayonnaise. So here, I don't feel like that would translate a hundred percent, you know? I've, They're like, where's the meat? Yeah, where's so, the rest so, of it? So if you gave someone just a hard boiled egg and mayonnaise, they would look at you like you had three heads. But you know, to translate that into something that's exciting for people here. So we're doing like a hard boiled egg with smoked salmon, dill caper mayonnaise, a beautiful toasted Belgarde sourdough, a nice salad. So it's sort of like drawing French and New Orleans reference points and then trying to cook it in our own way. One of the things that I really like about food is I like to connect with food with my hands right and to touch it and to feel it especially when i'm eating it yeah and i i really liked that uh salmon and eggs dish because it sounded like you you got to really connect with that dish yeah and you, you, there's a probably no two people you know like oh maybe you can build a sort of sandwich with the bread maybe you could eat it like a salad like there's no rules <laughs> and, and and as chefs we we prefer not to have rules or do you, yeah. are you a rule follower <laughs> i when my food comes with instructions i usually want to run <laughs> <laughs> well you know as as i'm looking at the menu and i i'm always looking for somewhere to go have breakfast and have a breakfast meeting because i want to start my day with good food if i can but uh you know, to see that you have this kind of these lighter breakfasts, but also traditional breakfasts, but then you start to move into the the dinner dishes. The it, it seems like you're really trying to source high quality ingredients. You know, uh, heritage chicken, that kind of thing. Yeah. What kind of thought went into choosing those ingredients for the menu? You know, like I said before, you know, I feel like being a, sh a chef is sort of being a purveyor of the best ingredients that you can get. So just meeting with purveyor after purveyor after purveyor, um, f saying like, okay, this fish I feel is the best, this chicken is the best. This is, and sort of having that dictate what the menu is. I, I think anybody can just write on a chalkboard a menu that sounds good, but then it's like, to have it really be that next level, it has to have high quality ingredients behind it. So for the, the summer coming up, um, as we're start of spring now, because, you know, the weather's weird. We never know if it's going to be yeah. cold or hot. <laughs> but, you know, what are some of the ingredients that you're looking forward to cooking with? I mean, like we said before, corn. I, I love corn. I think, you know, you nailed it with the chilled corn soup. It's like things like this are just so beautiful and taste so good. Um, I'm really excited for heirloom tomatoes, um, stone fruit. I think summer is probably my favorite time of the year and whenever you're um cooking for for the summertime you know yeah. i know there are a lot of people who may debate oh well gumbo is not right for the summer but then some people say we should have gumbo because it's going to make us sweat and it's going to cool us off yeah. right so are you looking for room temperature dishes chilled dishes hot dishes what What's going through your mind whenever you're sitting down and saying, this is what I want to provide and cook? Well, you know, I feel like when I was cooking in New York, 
that all mattered a lot more and it was would be all right it's summertime we need to do salads and light dishes where i feel like in new orleans people could eat heavy food and it could be 100 degrees outside or maybe it's the winter and you want to eat a salad i feel like there's not as many rules here which I, i'm appreciative of so so yeah i mean maybe there's a few more cold dishes in the menu but it's just more whatever we're passionate about that week well i know you're passionate about food but uh you have to have some hobbies or some free time. What are you, what are you doing in your everyday life that maybe is also kind of shaping your enthusiasm for what you do at work every day? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I love to travel. Um, and whenever I travel, I want to eat as much of the local cuisine as possible and then always have those reference points. Like, um, you know, I spent... Uh, good amount of time in France, I was able to spend time in south of France, in Provence. So now on the menu is like Panisse, which I'm really excited about, which might not be something pe people are so familiar with. So always drawing... And what's a Panisse for those who are wondering? So it's chickpea flour, water butter, you almost cook it like a grit, and then you set this, chill it, cut it into little rectangles, fry it. And it's almost like a really delicious fry that's crispy on the outside, really soft and buttery on the inside, with a very intense garlic aioli. Yum. Yeah, so it's like trying to really travel, see things that maybe aren't so common here, and then be able to share that with my hometown. So when you think about your travels, what are some of the most memorable meals or dishes and things that you've eaten? It's funny, I feel like the most memorable things are like when you ha are lucky enough to stumble across that really casual bistro and you just have this amazing food. I've eaten at a f every time I travel, there's always one like Michelin star, really fancy place that I go eat, but I feel like that's usually not what I reference later in life. Uh, so, you know, when I was in France, I lived next to this place, Le Baraton, and it was a woman, an old woman from Argentina who would cook French food. And in my opinion, it was the best French food in, in France. It was just uh, <laughs> amazing. And making, cooking like uh, sweetbreads, veal tongue, like, you know, it's really like gnarly things that and just making it in this delicious way. I, um, you know, I look back at travels and sometimes if you are in a town and you're like, okay, where should I go eat? The, you know, I like to say, you don't have to check Yelp. You can actually just ask people at the market and ask people where to eat. And uh, my go-to is I want food like somebody's momo makes, right? Yeah, and I think that's, I think you nailed it. I think that if you dictate your whole trip on TripAdvisor, you, you, you know, <laughs> everybody's going to that number one, like in Ho Chi Minh City, everybody's going to that number one thing on TripAdvisor and you're there and it's like, all right, like, it's just a line of, like, 100 Americans. Like, this probably isn't where I need to be eating when I'm in this city. And I think, yeah, just walking around and, like, trusting yourself. Like, oh, this smells good. This is what I should eat. And, you know, and that is so true. You just kind of, I, I always say if there's somebody standing outside going, hey, hey, you should eat here. You probably shouldn't. Yeah, um, 100%. But if there's, like, all of a sudden the aroma of garlic or the aroma of yeah. herbs, it... I start like turning the corner <laughs> and yeah. you follow it. And then you have these just amazing and memorable dining experiences. Yeah, when you're walking through Little Italy in Manhattan and people are saying, two for one sangria for you and your friend, come on. That's probably not where you want to eat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, do you have any, um, you know, tips or tricks for people who are wanting to even um, kind of start to, to test their palates or test their culinary skills with French food? Because earlier, you know, you're talking about sweetbreads and tongue and, you know, that may be a little crazy. And, um, but there's something about these classic techniques and the yeah. sauces that you were saying. So, you know, what are the, the things that in your mind are, are French and French cuisine and we need to embrace it and love it and start to get a palate for it? I th that's, that's a good question. I feel like in, in France, the thing that is most French cuisine to me is a rotisserie chicken, potatoes, like being able to cook that properly. I think a, you know, beef tartare could be really beautiful and amazing. Um, you know, they're even like, they call it beef tartare pole, where it's just beef tartare, a patty, slightly seared, and you eat it like that with some french fries. Um, and I feel like in France now, it's evolving just like anywhere else that has a lot of immigrants and the food is changing so fast. I think the dish that I saw more in France outside of roasted chicken would be like a Moroccan couscous. Yes. You know, I think almost that's comforting to French people at this point. Like, so I think finding that sort of thing. How do you think our food in New Orleans is changing? If it's changing in other cities around the world, what are you seeing changing with food here? Well, I think the way people eat is changing so much and the way people find out about restaurants. You know, the days of buying a guidebook and going like, all right, this is number one, is sort of over. And people are doing a little bit more digging to figure out where to eat. And I think a lot of these old tourist trappy kind of places aren't going to do as well. And the people actually like putting in the time, effort to provide amazing food for people, like have more of an opportunity to shine, have more of a stage and I, you know, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that people want to dine in places where it feels good, if that yeah. makes sense, yeah. where, where the atmosphere feels good, it feels welcoming, and then the food is, you know, heartwarming in yeah. a way. Um, I mean, that's what I'm looking for. I, like, I totally, like you, will travel and, and go to a Michelin star restaurant but sometimes I don't want jelly squid and a piece of grass, right? I want, I want gravy and a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that a lot of the menu design that I've been doing at Couvon, it's like to really keep that in mind that there has to be a certain level of craveability to food, and you know, be, especially being from here, like not that I'd want to cook like that anyway. But if you did dishes with thirty ingredients that no one's ever heard of, you're not going to last too long. So really to have that like sort of reference point, at least of something comforting is really important. So what are we going to crave off of the Couvent menu? Um, I'm really excited about the crawfish and yoki that we're doing. It's, I think, a dish that really sums up the concept really well of having French technique and really embracing Louisiana ingredients. Uh, the sauce there, sauce Nantua. Uh, Nantua is a town in France that has ecrevisse, as they call it there, crawfish. So Nantua sauce, which is sauce I learned how to make when I was at Danielle in New York, is you take 
all the shells from when you boil the crawfish. You make a stock with like a lot of tomato paste, things like that. Strain it. Um, then throw in a bunch of butter. You make a crawfish butter. It's very intense. Yum. <laughs> then you make, so you make a roux with crawfish butter and flour and then add the crawfish stock to that. So at that point, it's like the most intense crawfish taste that you can possibly imagine. And then it's just really simple from there. Uh, crisping up some gnocchi with the crawfish, uh, covering it in that sauce with some uh, fried garlic and chilies. I'm totally gonna crave that. <laughs> I can't wait to try that dish. Uh, what? So, I, you know, I would imagine asking you to choose a favorite dish is like asking someone with children to choose their favorite child. But there's wait. always a favorite child. <laughs> I, you know, I told my mom that too. I like your style. Um, what, you know, what are some of the, like, what, when you go, this is just knockout, I'm proud, and this may be just our thing that people are going to remember forever from this restaurant. I'm really excited about the veal dish that we're doing. Um, I think that there's a lot of technique involved. It's, um, so it's a veal tenderloin that's, we take brioche, um, put, we make a mousse with veal as well, uh, some mushrooms, herbs, put that on the brioche, roll that with spinach and then the veal to where it looks almost resembling of a Wellington, but it's for one person. And cooking the brioche like that, the veal is just so evenly cooked and perfect that that I feel like is a real winner at the restaurant, something that I'm really proud of. I love it, I love it. Now, I, we have a, a you know, little bit of time left, so why don't you tell everybody where they can find Couvent, when you're open, all that good stuff. So Couvent's located 317 Magazine Street. We're open Wednesday to Sunday, breakfast, dinner. Um, only breakfast and dinner now, we will do lunch and expand on that. But just like everywhere else in the city, uh, we're <laughs> getting getting staff on has been a little bit of a challenge. Um, at the Eliza Jane Hotel. Yeah, right I, and um, <laughs> y'all, the menu is online. It's on their website, so I highly recommend that you, you check it out. But, um, you know, Chef Ryan, the, I really appreciate you being here. For my yeah. listeners out there, uh, we had Chef Ryan Pearson with um, Couvent Restaurant and talking all things uh, French food and Louisiana inspiration on the menu. So I encourage everyone to get out there to 317 Magazine Street and uh, check it out. Thanks for having me, Amy. Really appreciate it. Y'all have been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host at Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.